welcome to the How to HR podcast. I'm your host, Shona, founder and director at Lilac HR, where we help small and medium-sized businesses become brilliant employers. Thank you so much for joining us today. Feel free to subscribe and let's get cracking. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the How to HR podcast. It's a health and safety special. I'm Shona and that is Jim. Hello everybody. Good afternoon, good morning, good evening. And good night. <laughs> yeah, bye-bye now. <laughs> get out. How are you, Jim? Yeah, I'm good. How are you? Yeah, I'm, I'm all right. How did your uh, second COVID jab go today? Oh, fine. Um, my arm hurt for about, not that I'm moaning about it, because it's obviously really good to have, but my arm probably hurt for about half an hour. Um, I think the biggest thing is, is all of a sudden this sort of weight on my shoulders has gone. Not saying that by having them all, uh, and obviously each to their own out there who decide not to have them, who can't have them, but but it's not the be all and end all, but it is a massive help to stop the spread. And it just feels a bit of a weight off my shoulders. So. Oh, I love it. I'm well down on the list. I think I'm probably going to be one of the last ones to get it, which is really annoying. Everyone else that I know has had it, and I'm just like, oh, me and Dan are like, yeah, it's a great <laughs> They'll get there. They'll get this really soon, though, because they're just banging them out. So yeah, they're smashing through it, aren't they? Mm. Mm. I, I got I got mine early because I'm an asthmatic, so that's why I got mine a bit early. And I was really surprised when I got first called for the first one back in. Oh, I looked at my card today, back in February, wow. um, and I got called. I sort of was like, oh. Uh, are you sure you're not rung the wrong person no 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 no, you are on the list I'm thinking I'm I'm not that old but then oh no because of other I was like oh okay great so yeah oh bit of a bit of a bit of a relief so it's good so what are we talking about today then and this week or this podcast shall I say we're going to talk about um first aid Mm and why it's needed and why it should be had and should be um and staff should be trained within the workplace yeah so so yeah everyone's kind of aware of like first aid training i suppose aren't Mm. they but uh, do you want to just kind of give a a bit of an overview of like what it actually entails and what it what it does yeah absolutely so first aid um there are there is a requirement and without trying to put myself out of a job, uh, with regards to first aid, uh, within a workplace, there is a need to have an appointed person. Now, an appointed person for first aid can be somebody who knows where the first aid kit is, as long as the company have got a first aid kit, which is always vital to have because um, otherwise you can't help anybody. Um, that The first aid kit is is stocked and it's got the right right equipment in there. When I do training, one of the things I say is you need to have a first aid kit. It needs to be checked. It needs to have the right equipment in there. Um, it also, the stuff needs to be in date. And one of the things I say is, is the check, the first aid kit should be regularly checked because staff anywhere where there's a first aid kit, someone goes, Oh, just have a plaster, just have a bandage, just get this, just get that. And then the first aid will come along, grab the first aid kit or the appointed person will grab the first aid kit, take it to where the accidents happen or where it's needed. They'll open it. They'll find a used plaster, uh, some dead bug. And uh, I say a condom from 1976, you know, <laughs> just, 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 and they look at it and go, 
shit. There's nothing in there that we can use. This is pointless. Yeah. So um. So yeah. So the appointed person takes first aid kit, takes it to where the person's been injured, calls the calls nine nine nine, calls an ambulance, and helps with the report writing at the end. Now this appointed person is not trained. They're not somebody who's had first aid training. So. We as a business at SST, we say, or the advice is, the recommendation is, is that there should be trained persons. Um, and there's a varying different level of courses that can be done. So for um, first aid in the workplace, there's two main courses. There's emergency first aid at work, which is a one-day course. And then there's um, first aid at work, which is a three-day course. Uh, both qualifications, as most first aid qualifications, last for three years, and then they need to be um, renewed. They need to redo them again. Um, but with the one-day course, it deals with the emergency stuff. So it'll deal with things like uh, CPR, which is uh, cardiopulmonary resuscitation, which is your rescue breaths and chest compressions. It will deal with recovery position. It will also deal with... Um, uh, how to deal with bleeds and cuts and bruises um it'll also look at different conditions i sent this on the phone to somebody um this morning about first aid funnily enough first aid conditions are not always visible so the most obvious ones will be bones in the wrong place clara blood on the floor you know open cuts and wounds uh, bruises on people's heads you know things like that However, there are other conditions which are non-visible, so they may be internal conditions, but there are some signs and symptoms which first aiders are trained to look at to think, actually, that person, there's something wrong with them, but it's not visible, so I need to ask some questions or I need to look for different signs and then treat as accordingly. In the one-day course, these only... Um, that we we cover the sort of emergency bits like the CPR etc and, and how to deal with bleeds but it and it goes into some of the non-visible um, uh, injuries but only in sort of minimal detail because we've got to get everything into a one-day course in the first aid at work you spend three days going over this so you cover all the aspects of the one-day course but you go into more depth so you go into more depth about seizures you go into more depth about other conditions um and and, and cover it over the three days so it's it's depending what the workplace needs and what's required in the workplace um, some employers like to have the one-day course because it means that they only lose staff for a training for one day, and that's obviously quite important as well. Um, but then some employers say, well, actually, because of the nature of the business and because of accreditations, insurance, we need to do a three-day course so we can release staff for a three-day period. Whether And we do it whether that's three days over a period of a week or it could be one day over three weeks or it could be one day a month because depending on who the uh, examining body is or the uh, accrediting body for the first aid they'll give a time period of when the first one starts and when the last one's got to be completed so you, to make it easier for the employers we'll look at how we can structure it and make sure that they complete the days but don't take them away from the workplace because if they're not in the workplace then they're not doing any work so the business is sort of slow down and they're trying to juggle everything so yeah so that's for workplaces that's awesome so is there is there a, a certain amount of first aid as you should have per 
amount of employees, like one first aider for every 30 employees or something? Um, this is all recommendation. There's no, there's not necessarily a sort of requirement as such. Um, what what I've tended to work on in the past is again these are all approximations and every every business is different. I would say probably for every five to ten people, you may look at one first aider. However, um, somebody I was talking to this morning, they've only got I think nine or ten members of staff, and they want half of them to be first aid trained because the other things you've got to think about. If you've got one person for a workforce of ten, what happens when that one person is off sick? Or what happens, you know, God forbid, what happens when that one person is injured and you need to have somebody else? So we try and work on, we say, okay, so here's your first aider, have a deputy. Or if you've got a number of staff, have half of them first aid trained. Or if you've got uh, people who, if there's a big site um, and you've got people all over the place, then so you've got production you've got administration in one building production in another um delivery in another if you've got 15 workforce why don't you have two maybe three from each area so that you can deputize you can move to another area if needed to be um and make sure that you know you've got enough staff to cover um the amount of employees or, or persons working in the business yeah, and I suppose it depends on like the level of risk involved in your job as well. Mm. It? Like a couple of my clients are equestrian centres mm -hmm. um, and riding schools. So all of their staff are first trained at first aid trained because if there's an incident with involving like a client and a horse, you need to get there quickly and absolutely you can't be ringing whoever's down the bottom of a six acre mm. field mm -hmm. to come running. So yeah, it, it, yeah, that's good good advice that it it needs a bit of a risk assessment doesn't it to see the likelihood of, of an injury it does it does and i think overall within the business yeah that 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 risk needs to be looked at to see where the buildings are how big the workplace is how many members of staff there are <laughs> wants to get involved that wants to yeah. get involved yeah, um uh, you know, and that, and that needs to be looked at. And and what we've done at SST is we've gone in and undertaken a, um, a health and safety assessment and looked at first aid is one of the areas that we look at. And it's not necessarily we just target the training. We say, OK, who have you got in place already? Oh, well, we and the answer we sometimes get is, well, we've got we've got two or three people. Oh, OK. And their first aid training. Well, they did their first aid training back in, uh, you know, just after the war or back in the 90s. Like this is 2020, you know, 2021. Sorry. Um, have they done it within the last three years? No, they did it 10 years ago. Well, I'm sorry. As a trainer myself, every time um I have because I have to refresh my training. I'm a first aider as well, so I have to refresh my first aid training to be able to to deliver it and to teach it. Um, but first aid training does change. I think I've been a first aider since 2000 and 2004, 2005, I think it is, and. Um, I've always had an understanding of first aid before that, and I'd done little bits of training when I worked within the police and stuff like that. But as a as a official first aid at work qualified um, first aider, since then it's changed. So things like 
the chest compressions, they went from 10 to 15 to 30 to 15 to 30. You know, they changed the amounts and the rescue bit and all different things go in to first aid that you can do. And then stuff comes out. The biggest thing at the moment is, is that when they, the advice that's given regarding COVID is that um, rescue breaths are, can be, we can, we can show um, learners how to do it within the training but when it comes to administering it in the real world in a real life situation it, the advice is it, it, depending on the organisation but sometimes the advice is don't use the rescue breaths just use chest compressions and sometimes the advice is make sure that you've got masks and stuff on and that if needed to you, you can do the, the rescue breaths it, it's again it, it depends on the times and what's going on and any case studies etc which have been brought out any incidents happened any any court or litigation you know it's all balances up what what can and can't be done so yeah so yeah it's like everything else in life isn't it like the the research and the advice and the case law changes so Mm -hmm. that's really really good to point out because I think there's probably quite a few people that that do their first aid and think I've Mm -hmm. done it now I know how to do my my CPR I don't need to do it again um, However, in that when you do the first aid qualification, you don't have to refresh until three years later. But the, to keep that qualification, to keep it valid, but the advice I always give as a trainer and we give as a company is, in between while you can do online courses, which we also provide as well. So yearly refresher online courses, and that's not there's no practical involved, but it's theory. Um, also read publications keep up to date with uh, anything regarding first aid that's publicized by um, the first aid council you know other organizations just keep up to date with what can be however if something was to change within that three-year period so if you do the course tomorrow and then in six months time something changed you would be notified um, or there would be a publication come out however your qualification would still be valid until the end of the three-year period you wouldn't have to redo it again so or a person wouldn't oh that's really good to know so yeah that's awesome so so first aid is kind of like the well it's the first aid isn't it it's like it's yeah. the, the support that you give to someone who's injured mm-hmm. before the paramedics get there or mm-hmm. while they're on their way or to assess whether or not they need personally to go to a and e so what would you what needs to be in that first aid kit? Like what has to be there to be able to deal with any kind of eventuality? Because like, I think the only first aid kit I actually possess is from my horse. So I know that I need, I've got my vet wrap, I've got my Gamgee, I've got my iodine spray, I've got yeah. my vet wash, you know, I've, I know exactly, I've got my Epsom salts, I'm all ready to go, I've got scissors and everything like that. Mm-hmm. What yeah. needs to be in your human one? right okay so the other the other thing that i was going to mention as well is there are different um sort of first aid courses that you can have so in a workplace the standard ones would be the emergency first aid at work or the first aid work however there are ones designed for persons who deal with children so there's uh, pediatric courses so there's a one day emergency first aid pediatric course and there's a um there's a two-day which is the equivalent of the three-day one 
pediatric first aid at work. There's also outdoor pursuits. There's also um, we do one which is called a, a plus F, which is for arborealists, for forestry, um, tree surgeons, where they have to have a, a certain standards where they have to learn about amputations and other nasty stuff that could happen to them while they're doing their job. Um, and that, so there's lots of different ones that are available to do. And really, your first aid kit will depend on what you're doing. So if you're doing your, I'm going to use, I used this before in our previous podcast, if you're doing your horsey stuff, then it might be more around what you will need for if you're going, because you're going to be predominantly outside. So you may need to look at specialist bits of uh, first aid kit that you'll need for outside. For, for the plus F, for the arborealists, for the tree surgeons, they look at tourniquets as well. Should they amputate parts of their body with the chainsaws, they need to have tourniquets. Yeah, they also look at um, some of the bandages are um, more robust than a standard bandage that would be in a workplace first aid kit. Because the workplace first aid kits are predominantly aimed at administration low levels so it'd be administration um workplaces maybe places that aren't high risk and from there you can then add from more information more kit in depending on what it is so for a standard sort of first aid kit you're going to be looking at plasters um you're going to be looking at safety pins antiseptic wipes uh you're going to be looking at different sizes of bandages so small medium large a triangular bandage, otherwise known as a sling. Um, you might be looking at some form of eye wash, depending on the the, the industry. Um, some places have scissors in as well. So if you need to remove any clothing, they might be special um, clothing shears or um, just standard scissors. Um, in schools and um, high-risk units that I've worked in in the past, they don't put scissors in. I said, why did you put safety? Why didn't you put scissors in your first aid box? And they said, oh, well, just because it's not good around the kids. And I said, oh, right. Is that in case the children could get hold of them and, and cause an injury? And then one of the other teachers flippantly said, no, just in case we get upset with the kids and stab them. <laughs> so, but the reason why I left the gap is you can edit that bit because I just thought I'd let you know that. That's, that always sticks in my mind. I, like, I just stood there and went, yeah, Kevin. Right, sensible decision. <laughs> Anyway, she can cut a bit out. Don't tell them that bit. <laughs> um, so yeah, so some people have scissors as well. Uh, some people take the scissors out if if they if depending on the uh, depending on the workplace um, and, and and the situation they're in. Again, other things can be added. So some people, when we work within construction, uh, burns kits, and when yeah. we work within uh, factories and factory settings and food industry burn kits. It, it depends. Every different industry, different workplace will be uh, different depending on um, what the needs are. And that can be built into the assessment. And a lot of the time, it is experience as well of the persons who are working in those industries who will sit there and who will stand and think, actually, we need some additional uh, first aid equipment. So, but there is a sort of standard, it's a British standard. I'm trying to find the piece of the trying to find the number now. I think it's come what it is now, but there is a Brit, there is a British standard, um, which you can have 
Oh, here it is. British Standard 8599-1-2009. Workplace first aid kits. For all those out there, if you want to Google that, that will give you your baseline standard or first aid kit that's required. Don't just go get one off Amazon. Don't be naughty. Get a British Standard approved first mm. aid kit. In the first aid kits as well, that when you open a first aid kit, that little instruction manual inside top tip for you nugget of information right here right now on those little instruction manuals they will tell you what is in a first aid kit what you need to refill it with and most of them because i don't want to say all of them and then somebody finds one that isn't and then sends a complaint in most of these little uh, instruction manuals in there will either say how to undertake cpr and or how to put somebody in the recovery position. So when you open it up, you think, oh, I don't need this instruction manual, and you lob it away. Don't, because it could be something that could help you. Really, really good bit of advice there, Jim. I like that. I've um, I've never actually been a first aider. I've never done a first aid course. Um, one of my employers in a previous life, um, I had asked to be a first aider, and they said, well, you're already a fire marshal, so you don't need to do that. And I was like, oh, <laughs> well up for all courses what um have you ever had to use your first aid training have you ever had to put it in practice yes i have had to use first aid before um when i first became a first aider uh a couple of years after i became a first i think i'd renewed actually i went home and my eldest daughter who was very young at the time actually choked because we do we kind of a choking as well and she choked on on some food that she was eating and i was able to apply um choking sort of not resuscitation but but training methods to be able to help her um and also um a couple of times with with various different people uh, we had an incident where we were at a social function and somebody um had it was a combination of, of there was no alcohol involved but it was a combination of low blood sugar and stuff like that and they actually collapsed and they were being sick so I rolled them onto their side. I supported them, made sure that their um, their mouth was empty and their throat was empty, you know, uh, and assisted them in a first aid point of view. Um, and then sort of sat with them and stayed with them. Um, and they went white as a sheet and I comforted them, sat them in a, a good position, comfortable position, made sure they were breathing and their airway was unblocked, et cetera. And then took them home. And, and I'm sort of, when it comes to work and stuff like that and other people, when they know that I'm a first aider, they sort of sort of home in on me when things happen. Oh yeah, you can, or people just start, not saying they collapse in front of me, but they sort of incidents happen. I'm like, okay, yeah, I'll deal with that. And also when I hurt myself, I sort of first aid myself sometimes if needed, but, but yeah, I've had to use it a number of different times that I've had to um, help people and assist them. Yeah. So one skill you just need to have you just need to have that you need to have that string in your bow um sorry to jump in just to say that like i was going to say about the the appointed person in the workplace it, it's it, how would you feel and, I, and i'll say this out to anybody listening put yourself in that position where if you haven't been in that position where you're called or you're out shopping or you're somewhere and somebody needs some first aid and especially in the workplace or as the employer, put yourself in that position and think the appointed person is only trained or they're not even trained. They're appointed and they're given the direction of getting the first aid kit, calling the emergency services, 
filling in the report, but and almost looking at saying to that, saying that, and almost looking and saying, shit, that person needs some help. That person needs help. They could, they're a serious condition or they a serious injury or they could potentially die. As the employer, if you didn't have uh, that training or you didn't give your staff that training, morally, how would you feel if that person just stood there with their arms crossed and went, I'm not qualified, I'm not qualified? Because technically, an employee, everybody wants to help, but technically, an employee, if they're not trained, they shouldn't be delivering first day because actually, they can be getting in more crap delivering first day and delivering it wrong because if they delivered first aid and it was wrong and then they had to stand up in the box in front of a magistrate or a judge and say, what did you do? Well, I tried to do it. Did you have any training? Well, no. You know, there's, there's more to it, but simple questions, no. They could potentially be in in, in some hot water for, for doing that. But as an employer, why not spend 100 quid? on sending somebody on a one-day course just to learn so that they have their empowered with the skills and knowledge and the practical and the qualification to potentially save somebody's life. Yes, in all honesty, somebody could still die, and I don't mean to be morbid, but somebody could still die, but by giving somebody a training course, it gives them the power to, to be able to help. And the one thing I say on my training course is your first aid qualification last for three years keep yourself up to date i hope and hopefully you'll come back in three years time and have probably either had to give none or a very low level of first aid but if anything happens you're qualified and you're skilled to do that yeah 100 like it, it's just having that peace of mind to know that you can do everything in your power to help somebody Mm-hmm. if there's a, if there's a problem whether mm-hmm. like say whether it's just that they've got low blood sugar and they're just passing out or if they've stuck their hand into a machine at work and locked their arm off or something you just want to be mm-hmm. able to know that you can help them absolutely it's really worth highlighting this issue around liability because we do unfortunately live in a world where people sue each other for everything and you're completely right if you if you administer first aid when you're not trained Mm. even if you know how to put a bandage on even Mm. if you know that you can do that and hopefully not harm them if that does cause them harm you're liable Mm. so it's don't you don't want to sort of like put people off helping each other do you it really is something to be aware of that if you don't know what you're doing like it's probably best not to do anything Mm. bring somebody who does Mm. Uh, and there are a lot of, in my experience, there are a lot of people in, in previous jobs that I've been in and and places that I've worked with or work, not worked with, but worked with. And when the people are chosen to be first aiders, they need to be, not that it's a, they need to have an interview or, or be hand selected or anything like that, but they need to be, they need to be cherry picked a little bit. They need to be looked at and asked if they're the right people to be first aid because i have done training courses, i've been on training courses and i have delivered them where i one of my questions is or i've listened to the the introductions and people have either been asked or sat there and said well i don't know why i'm on this course because i don't like blood and i don't like helping other people and and you just and i just sit there and think right okay this is going to be quite interesting because 
to 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 be a first aider, and I'm quite I'm quite passionate about first aid because it's one of the things that I first delivered as a trainer, and one of the things that I I don't know all of it, but I don't know everything about it, but I know a lot about it. If you're going to do that job, you need to you need to be in you need to put effort into doing it because ultimately you're potentially saving somebody's life. And there have been people that have come on courses or I've been on courses with them and they go, oh, well, the person who's meant to do it was sick this morning. So I just got sent on it as a replacement. I sit there and think, oh, no. That's where, just... employers, that's where employers waste their money, isn't it? That's mm. why, that's where they don't get the return on that investment. Because mm. They just send the wrong people along. Exactly. It, it's just not worth it. Like mm. uh, we've, I've worked in, I've worked in lots of different places, but um, mm. in a couple of the um, food manufacturing environments that I worked in we used to pay um an additional bonus to people mm-hmm. who were first aid trained so because they were all very much you know the employee culture was very much what's in mm. me so we would pay that additional money the problem with doing that although it was a great motivator to get people on the course the problem is that people were doing it for the wrong reasons yeah people we're doing the first aid for the extra 20 quid a month or whatever mm. it was it, it wasn't a lot mm-hmm. but they were doing it for that extra money and not because they wanted to be in a position where they could help people. Absolutely, and and I've I've been in that I've I've been in that situation myself, where in a previous job I worked for a local authority. I worked for a number, but I worked for one local authority where we were paid to be paid extra to be first aiders, and there were I think I remember on the in the premises that we were in. I was probably fourth or fifth on the list to be the first aider. And I knew that this on this particular day that the people above me were all in. And I knew, I don't know what their availability was. And and the 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 being the first aider, it didn't mean you had to drop everything. If you were in a meeting, then that's fine. They'll go to somebody else. But if you were available, you had to then be available to, to administer first aid or to deal with a situation. I knew on the list that I was fourth or fifth down. I knew those other people were above me. I knew that at least two or th- two of them were available. And I got a phone call from, I can't remember whether it was the site, the premises security or the front desk saying, Jim, you're the fir- first aider on the list. Can you go to such and such and, and deal with this problem? And I said to them, yeah, no problem. I said, all the other aid, first aiders not available. I said, not, I'm happy to go. I'm not complaining. But all the other, l- almost looking at one of them who was on the phone doing something else, not busy. And they said, yeah, they're, they're all unavailable. And this this problem, ha- this same thing happened a couple of times. And I sat and I thought, I don't mind going. And I said, well, do you want to put me top of the list? Oh, no, there's other people who have been top of the list for years. And I think, yeah, have they actually... If they actually get their hands dirty and, and actually go and do it. And and again, that's a that's a waste because if I wasn't there, not saying that you know I'm the big superhero that saved everybody, but if I wasn't there, would it carry on going down the list until they found somebody? And I bet you employers have this who have got lots of staff who who offer that have this problem all the time because people will say, exactly as you said, I'll do it, I'll do it, I'll get the money, but actually. They don't really care. They want the money. They don't want to deal with the situation. They don't want to deal with any situation. They go on the training because they think it's going to be a couple of days off work. 
and they're not really the right fit. And I would say to any employer, and I try and push this through through what we do through SST, any employer who wants to assign uh, or have first aiders, have appointed first aiders, look at the people within the workforce. And if you can, look at if they're actually fit for purpose. If you've if you have no other choice, you've got no other choice. Um, but if you've got a number of staff and, put, and you're putting out there asking for people to do it, almost look at who they are and whether they're actually going to be the right fit. Because if they're not, then you're just wasting your money and you're wasting time. And part of first aid is a lot of it is time critical. And by wasting time and not dealing with the casualty, uh, the person who's injured, their life will slowly slip away. Even if you think, oh, well, you know, that injury couldn't, couldn't cause their death. If you leave it a long period of time, you know, it could loss of blood, it could be infection, there could be all sorts of different issues. Um, so it needs to be dealt with quick and fast, not, oh, well, I'll just finish this email or I'll just do this or, you know, I need to go and have my lunch first. No, you, you pay, you're there as the first aider, you're on the list. And if you're not, if you don't want to do the job, don't do it anymore. Yeah, there's my rant about first aid. There you go. <laughs> it's so true, isn't it? And I think I suppose employers just need to be picking people who are genuinely mm. caring, people mm. who can adapt quickly to a situation around them, mm. and people who are quite resilient because you don't absolutely to down to do you? It could be could be a severed limb, or it could just be someone who's just had a fall and just need mm. to check over for a bruise or a broken bone mm. or something. It doesn't necessarily have to be super gruesome, does it? I mean, I, I put my hands up. I'm not a massive fan of blood. Not many people aren't. But I don't know what it is when I've been in a situation where I've had to administer first aid. It's like, right. Oh, but everything to sort of any fear goes away. It's like just just dive head in as I do with stuff. And that could be because A, the person who I am and B, my background in police and working in enforcement and stuff like that. I just sort of dive in and just think, right, yeah, obviously it's safe. For me, because one of the things you teach in first aid is that the, the scene that you're going to or the, the place you're going to is that it's it's safe for you because if you as a first aider jump into the middle of a, a situation and become a casualty as well, then the proverbial is going to hit the fan. And then you're the first aider who also needs first aid. If you've got the person who's injured, the casualty, the situations, you know, you put their life even further at risk. It could be serious injury and death. And also you need to make sure that the scene is safe because if you've got people, and I say this in my courses, whenever there's an incident and even more in the last sort of 10 years since we've had them, people stand around, they get the phones, they get the camera phones out, they stick the two pennies worth in and you just think, oh, piss off. You're not first aiders. If you're a first aider, get get down, get your hands there and let's get involved. But if you're not, go away because you're getting on my nerves. And, and, if you make if you don't make the scene safe then it just it, it casually start to build up and it just becomes carnage so that's one of the biggest things that if you're going to deal with it the place must be safe that's such good advice and what is it what is it with people's like morbid curiosity to feel a nosy that's going on like, honestly that's nosy awesome. nosy parkers nosy parkers it's like when just... you see, um, it's like if you see a pilot or a car crash or something on a on a motorway and all the traffic that's going the opposite way, they're crawling past because they want to have a good nose, don't they? And also, when they're, when they're crawling past having a good nose, they're not watching, and then they have an accident as well. And exactly. I've, 
I've heard of, or I went to an incident in the police where there was an accident and then another accident occurred because the people on the other side were like this, where they can't see, but on, I'm showing, I've got my phone up, you know, looking out the window, taking pictures, and then they crash as well. And you just think, well, so, you know, it's not very nice, but you shouldn't be doing that. So you right for being a nosy Parker. So absolutely bloody right well i think that that's amazing i think i've learned so much about first aid that i didn't even know i didn't even realize that there was different types of first aid Mm -hmm. of course course, logically of course there is but that hadn't even um crossed my mind that there might be pediatric first aid Mm -hmm. and specific trades and things like that so that's really really awesome jim is there anything else finally that we need to know about first aid i've got i could answer I could sit and talk about first aid for ages. Um, I just think if anybody, you know, those that are listeners out there, if you've got any questions, our listeners, not my podcast, it's Shona's <laughs> podcast. Any of Shona's listeners, it's not my podcast today. Any of Shona's listeners out there, um, if you have any questions around health and safety or first aid, then let Shona know. And um, when I come on again, because uh, she kindly lets me come on every month i can answer those questions or we can answer those questions and i think again it first aid is something i can sit and talk about for ages um just get a course make sure it's a reputable course there are lots of providers out there um there are you know the the big the big the big named providers out there are the red cross and st john's ambulance and they do a great job however there are other providers there um like uh, Martian Training, which is part of SST, we're able to provide first aid. We do it through an accrediting book. Um, there are others out there. Just shop around because there are different prices. Um, and and just if you're thinking about doing first aid, give it a go. If you are a qualified first aider already and your first aid certificate is coming up to, to the end or coming up for renewal, um, there was a bit of an extension around COVID, but I think that extension has now gone because people can get back to face-to-face training. If you have a valid first aid certificate and it's run out, you only have, well, through the examining body we use, you only have a month after it's run out to do the renewal. With the one-day course, you just sit a one-day course. But with the three-day course, when you renew, do a two-day course. So if you renew within that monthly period or before it runs out, you have to sit the whole three days again to build it. So if you're just thinking about doing it, anybody's got any questions, you can contact us and we'll answer them or can speak to any reputable first aid provider and they'll answer them questions for you. Oh, that's awesome. Thanks, Jim. And yeah, like like you said, anyone who has any questions, health are, health are, <laughs> HR or health and safety related, when I've got the teeth in, um, send your questions through to info at lilachr.co.uk and we will answer your questions on the podcast because I'm super keen to get like a listener mail feature going. I'm well excited for that. Um, and Jim, where can people find you if they need some of your expertise? Okay, for our for our training, it's uh, Marshland Marshland Training Services. That's www.marshlandtrainingservices.co.uk. We're also on Facebook, and we're also on Instagram as well. Um, and for health and safety and fire safety advice, it's uh, SST Limited, and that's www. 
sstltd.co.uk. That's sstltd.co.uk. We are also on Facebook and Instagram and LinkedIn just to search for us. And th there is a telephone number if you want to go old school and give us a ring. <laughs> give us a ring. Um, then you can do and we, we can answer any questions um, about as much as we can on first aid and health and safety that's fabulous and I will also put all of those links to Marshland training and SST in the show notes wicked so that people thank you can find the information there well thanks ever so much Jim that's been awesome um, until next time I suppose thank you very much and thank you for everyone listening for letting me go on about first aid and something that I'm quite passionate about. So thank you. No, thanks, Shona. Anytime. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to today's episode. If you love what you're hearing, then be sure to tell us on Facebook and Instagram at LilacHRLTD.